praying for you. What does that mean, praying for you? We, we use it all the time. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. That's great. We should be praying for one another. And so I, I, but I want to take a look at, at what that really, really looks like uh, as we understand this. Because here's what I put in your notes. We need to talk to God about people before you talk to people about God. That's very important. I think sometimes we get so excited about talking to people, we don't talk to God about them. But if we talk to God about people before we talk to people about God, he does some amazing things to prepare the way to orchestrate events and how it can work out in our lives. So uh, I want you to look at uh, the first thing I want to call your attention to. It's just two thoughts because I think prayer should be simple, okay? I think we make it way too complicated. We worry about the structure and the wording and the these and the thous, which we don't even use anymore. Let's talk about the simplicity of prayer for other people. Because Paul is going to teach us how to do that today. Romans 10, here's what it says in this first point. Prayer with passion, pray with passion and purpose persistently. Romans 10.1, here's what he says. Let's look at his word, man. It's awesome. Here's what he says. Dear brothers and sisters, isn't that intimate? Doesn't it make you feel good? Dear brothers and sisters, all of us, regardless of age, if we're in Christ, we're brothers and sisters. We're family. I'll talk about that tonight in Resolute, talking about radical community. But dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart, notice that, the longing of my heart, some translations would say the desire of my heart, uh, my heart's desire, the longing of my heart, my deep passion, that's what he's saying. And my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. There's your purpose. And because of such a deep longing, it's done persistently. Let's look at that for a minute. Let's understand this. Because first of all, he talks about his passion. The passion is the longing of my heart. That means it's a deep satisfaction of the heart. He says, I have this This prayer I have, when it's answered, it's going to be a deep satisfaction to my soul, to my life. Now, let's put that in perspective of who we are. Is there someone in your life that uh, you've prayed for? For example, I I prayed for the woman I was going to marry. And boy, when God answered that prayer, it was a deep satisfaction to my soul. It was awesome. Perhaps you... You, you prayed for someone to come into your life, and God brought them in, and you had that deep satisfaction. Now, let's take that a little step further. Suppose you're praying for someone who needs Christ, and all of a sudden, the passion becomes that you have a deep desire to see them come to Christ, and that would bring you such indescribable satisfaction, you couldn't put it into words. That's what Paul's saying. I got this deep satisfaction that needs to be filled by people coming to Christ. By people being set free from their past and their guilt and their shame. To be forgiven. That would be the deepest satisfaction of my heart to see that. Can I tell you, my life, the the deepest satisfaction of my life is that when I get to see people come to Christ, whether it's on Sunday morning when they come down this aisle or whether it's during the week on Monday night or some other time during the week, when they come to Christ, it lights my fire. I live for that. And so I understand he's saying God's going to have this passion this passion that we want to, it's a consuming desire for people to be rescued from the penalty and the power of sin. 
just something deep inside that's not, it's got to be done. Each day you say, man, Lord, I, I, I just want to see someone saved. I want to see that, that person in my life, my family, my friend, my coworker, my neighbor. I want to see him saved. My heart's desire. Paul says, I pray with passion. Because the purpose is, look at the purpose. I want them to be saved. I just want them to be saved. In 1 Timothy, it's not, on the, it's not on the slide. I wanted to read it to you. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it says this. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants, verse 4, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Okay? Let's realize that God wants everybody to be saved. Does that mean everybody's going to be saved? No. Still a matter of choice. But God's desire is for everyone to be saved. He's not decided some can be saved and some aren't going to be saved. That has what he's decided. It's his desire that everyone would come to an understanding of truth that would bring them to a point of receiving him into their life and having a personal relationship with him. That's God's desire. And so he puts that desire in my life because his great love comes to me in great love. And then that great love is, 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 is shared with those around me. And one of the ways I demonstrate my love is praying for them. I mean praying with a passion. Dear God, I want you just to change your life. That they may be saved. Not that they may be better. Better's not good enough. That they may go to church. Church is great, but that ain't going to change their life. May give them information to change their life. But that they may know Christ. In Christ alone, (laughs) we have a power to live out this life that God requires of us. So, he says, I want you to have a purpose when you pray. If Jesus has died for those who are perishing, shouldn't we pray for them? And share with them. Persistently. What does that mean? To be longing. It's a longing, a desire, a burden, a weight that is expressed often. You pray and you pray again. And then you listen for how God will change you in the process of praying. You see, as I begin to pray for people, let me tell you what happened. And I have a list of people I pray for. And I pray that God would... Begin to make himself known. And I'll tell you how we're going to pray for him in a minute. There's three things you need to do. But here's the thing. I, I pray. And then as I pray and pray often, God begins to do something in me. He may give me a deeper passion. He may give me an open door to share. He may give me a way to minister. He may provide an opera. He may orchestrate something that allows me to come into their life and really minister to them and show love for them. And I can talk to them based on that. Or maybe he will direct me to someone else. And I may be an answer to your prayer because I may talk to the person that's on your prayer list. And God may move me over to talk to that person and create the opportunity to talk to that person. And if that's the case, if that's the case, then I want to uh, pray that God works in me. Gives me the words to say when the opportunity comes next week, next month, next year. Okay? And maybe it's I, I'm, I'm an answer to your prayer, and you may become an answer to my prayer. And you may get to talk to someone that I've been wanting to talk to for, for a long time, and God sets the stage for you to talk to them. That's why we pray persistently, because God's always at work on their behalf, responding to their need and our heart's desire. He cares about us, and we become instruments of grace. 
I want to share with you, this card is where you begin to say, there's someone I want to pray for. And you, you, if you want to, I'll pray you put their names down. If you want us to visit someone or minister to someone, put their name down. And we'll love to do that on your behalf. Maybe you just want to pray for them. We'll pray for them. Get say, please pray for these people. We'll pray for them. Because that's what we do in the body of Christ. We pray that God would open the doors of opportunity. Because it's his desire. I pray it accords with his will. So we do that. So uh, we do this. If you're a prayer partner, and the response to being prayer partners for our faith teams is awesome. Next Monday night, Monday, October the 20th, we're going to ask you to be here at 6 o'clock and just come hang with us for a few minutes. Get to meet some of the people you don't know, and you'll kind of meet your people, and, and y'all, we're going to have a time of prayer together. And I'd encourage you to do that if you can. Now, some work, and some guys, I got, I got the, hey, we're not going to find you if you don't show up. Okay? We just, if you can, show up, and let's have a time of prayer together for our faith teams and, and for your, your faith partners. And let's just do this together. And let's see what God will do when we pray with passion, purpose, persistently. We'll do that. Luke 18.1, Jesus talked about the, the lady. He said, let me tell you what it means to pray persistently. Never give up praying. Don't give up on people. Don't quit praying for people. Uh, they may drive you crazy. They may, you may think, oh, they'll never change. Don't give up on them. God doesn't give up on them. We don't need to give up on them. We keep praying. And because he said, there's this lady who had an unjust judge. She had an issue and a case to be heard, and he wouldn't hear it, wouldn't give her the time of day, but she kept on, kept on, kept on, kept on, kept on, kept on, kept on. And finally he says, okay, I'll listen to your case. How much more, Jesus said, do you think your righteous father will hear your case if an unjust judge will hear something because of persistence? Now, please understand, it's not like you're twisting God's arm. That's not what's happening. You're not twisting God's arm. You are simply letting, you're putting yourself in place for God to share his heart with you, to build passion in you, to build opportunity in you, to change you. But as you do it, you become more aware of how to pray for that person, look for opportunities to share with that person, and pray for the whole, uh, the whole part of their life. Because that's what he's going to begin to show to you, all right? Uh, so that's why you pray that way. George Mueller, if you've never, if you're not familiar with George Mueller, you need to be. Anything you can, I, I would encourage you to buy his uh, Diaries of Answered Prayer. That's about George Mueller's life. He was a man of prayer. He, he lived uh, uh, in the uh, 19th century, and he was a tremendous man uh, in England who, who built several orphanages. He determined to be a man of faith and a man of prayer early in his life. And he said, God, I'm going to live a life of faith in such a way I'll never ask a person for anything. And he built his first orphanage, and he began to realize have needs, bills need to be paid, food needed to be in the cupboard. And he said, uh, uh, Lord, I need food today. Got kids to feed. Lord, you know, we got a bill coming. And, and he would pray every morning before the Lord. And before the day was over, God would meet those needs. Somebody would show up with groceries. Somebody would show up with money. And he lived his life this way, through prayer and faith. He had a list of people he prayed for that he was desiring to be saved. It was his heart's desire. When he was coming to the end of this life, he was dying. And, and his friends had gathered around, talked about his life. And they were re just remembering the great things God had done in so many areas of his life. 
and what an impact he'd had. And they said, but you know, you still got some people that haven't been saved. You got 10 people on your list that haven't been saved yet. What do we do? And George Mueller said, <laughs> my God will answer my prayers beyond my life. Man. He said, they'll be saved. Passion with purpose persistently. Watch what God will do because he's God. Because he's God. Well, there's a second point I want you to get. I want you to pray with pointed perspective. Our prayers need to be more than, than sometimes what they are. Uh, and, and so with point perspective, this is important. Uh, in Romans 10, verses 2 through 4, here's what it says. Because it's talking about my passion, I want you to be saved. Now, let me go ahead and tell you, quit asking God to save people. He don't want to save you. He, 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 he told you, I want to save people. Don't ask me to save people. I want to save people. You pray for them to be open to my invitation. You see, we're praying for people to be saved. We pray they need to respond to God. God's already responded to them. He's dealing with them. Uh, here's what he says in verse 2. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, talking about the Jews, but it is misdirected zeal. They love to do religion. They are busy at church. They do a lot of good stuff. They know about me, but they don't know me. It's misdirected zeal. They are very committed. They're very sincere. They just don't know me. They don't have a relationship with me. For they don't understand why. They don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. You see, they think if they keep the law, they're going to be right with me. If they, if they do good things, if you do good works, if you show up at church, you're a great Baptist man, God's going to say you're great. No, he isn't. You've got to be in Christ. Doesn't matter what denomination you hold dear. I mean, they're, they're, they're an instrument of grace. They're not the ultimate end. And so he said, uh, they, they, they refuse and accept God's way. They cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. The law was given to show us we needed a Savior. Christ is our Savior. And so uh, as a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Wow. All who believe in him are made right. Everything is done. Now, here's what I want you to get. There's three things you need to pray for when you pray for people. You ready? Number one, pray for understanding God's standard of righteousness. You need to pray they understand. God, I pray for this person who needs Christ. I pray they begin to understand what it means to be really right with you. Most people think if they're good, good people, if they go to church, they try hard. They're okay. They're not okay. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. None of us are okay on our own. We need someone outside of us to take care of us and save us and make us right with God. And so they need to understand that they can't do anything to get right with God on their own. They need a Savior outside themselves. And so uh, that's, that's, that's necessary. They need to understand that. Romans 3.20 says it this way. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. You can't keep the rules and be right with God. The law simply shows us how sinful we are, how much we miss the mark. We can't keep the Ten Commandments. We can try, get wore out, get tired, get discouraged, give up because you can't keep them. 
But Christ has already kept them. He just applies what he's done to our life. We can't keep all the rules. Christ has already done that. And so we find ourselves just accepting what he's done for us in our place and living out his power in us. It's not what I do to reach God. It's knowing what he has done to reach me. I can't reach God. He has reached down to me in the person of his son Jesus on the cross. He's reached all the way down to where I am, no matter where I am, to have a relationship with me. I need to pray that whether your buddies at school or your buddies at college or your, some of your family members or your spouse or, or your best friend or your neighbor, they need to understand that. And then something begins to happen. Sometimes we churches have confused the issue, incidentally. Make it about the wrong stuff. It's about Jesus and Jesus alone. So we get this. The second thing you got to get is this. You pray for realization of what Christ did on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we may be made right with God through church membership, good works, being great? No, through Christ. Through Christ, I'm made right with God. Through what he did on the cross. You see, somewhere there has to be that moment in time, a moment of clarity where people understand that Jesus died on the cross just for them. It was a personal moment. This, this blood was for you. This blood was for me. There's a moment when you realize, man, he died for me. I need a Savior. I need a relationship. It's very personal. In Christ alone, we sang about this morning. I love one of my favorite songs. My faith has found a resting place, not in device or creed. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. You see, when I realized what the cross was about, it was about me. That he loved me. That he wanted me to be a part of his kingdom and a part of his relationship and a part of this eternity with him. That's what the cross was about. I didn't need just help to know God. I needed him only to know God. And so that's what the cross is about. So you pray for people to understand the, the, the uniqueness of the cross and that it was personal. It was about their need for a Savior. Not somebody else's need, but theirs. It's a moment of clarity. The third thing is you pray for the willingness to surrender to God in faith. When you're praying for someone, here's how you pray over them. You pray that I, I want you to understand what it means to be right with God. I want you to understand what Christ did on the cross. And I want to pray for a willingness to surrender to God in faith. Romans 3, 22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Not in joining a church. Not in being a good person. Not being a great Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Episcopalian, pick one. 
Christ, man. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are or where you've been, what you've done, how you failed, how far away you are, how much you're in the dark, it doesn't matter. His grace reaches where you are. That's why we never give up on people. So, oh, but they just go, no, no, they don't give up on people. Man, keep praying. Because God really wants to save them. I had a guy call me on Christmas Eve and say, I want to I wanna meet with you. I'm in trouble and I need to talk to someone. Well, Christmas Eve is a bad time because I'm just go down and spend my time with my family and all this. It's after a Christmas Eve service here. But I met him at the Waffle House, 11 o'clock, Christmas Eve at the Waffle House. And, and we're, we're talking and, and uh, he's sharing what's going on in his world and it's, it's sad. And he asked me this amazing question. He said, Pastor, do you think that God creates circumstances that push us to him? I said, absolutely. He sure does because he loves us that much. He creates and orchestrates things and people that push us to here. That's why I said to Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus, how long are you going to keep fighting against these circumstances, this pressure I'm putting on you? When are you going to give up and give in? When are you going to surrender? How long? Saul of Tarsus, before you become Paul the Apostle. How long? Question sometimes people need to answer. So we pray that they come to a point of surrender and God will orchestrate circumstances. I ain't got to do that. That's what God does. I ain't got to apply pressure. That's what God does. I ain't got to nail their thumbs to the table. That's what God does. I just need to love them. Minister to them. Share with them. Care for them. Man, you know. Never never give up. Never give up. Say yes to the only one who can really save you. That's what you pray for them. That's what you pray. God, help them to come to the point of surrender. Maybe next week, next month, next year, 10 years down the road. (laughs) There's a guy on my list I've been praying for for 22 years. Ain't giving up on him. He may be the longest one on my list, actually. Ain't giving up on him. Some I've prayed for for 10 years. Watch God do that miracle of grace in their life. Some 14 years. Watched him do it. It's amazing. At my second church, I, I, I had a softball team, and the rules was you had to come to church 50% of the time. Uh, and that's when I realized how much men love softball, because men who hated church would come to church two out of four Sundays to play softball. I mean, they didn't like church. They didn't like me. They didn't like the music. They didn't like anything. But they loved softball. And so the rule was, you come two out of four Sundays, we'll play, you know. And, and we had a pretty good softball team. We beat everybody because I wasn't stupid. I went and picked good ball players. I mean, really. I said, hey, I, I know, you, you know you're pagan, but come be on my softball team. <laughs> Man, you kill the ball. And uh, so I went and recruited guys. They were good. And, boy, they were some of them rough. And uh, so anyway, uh, one of these guys, he was a young guy, and he played, he loved to play softball. And, and uh, I noticed he hadn't been to church a while, and, uh, as God would orchestrate it, okay, 
Because I prayed for these guys because I knew eventually if they heard the gospel, God would do a work in their life. And I'm going to tell you what. Can I tell you this? Every young man on our softball team was eventually saved over the course of three years. I didn't ever pressure them. I didn't even talk. I just, hey, come church, hear the gospel. You know, God speak to you. I never talked. And all of a sudden, I go, man, I got to talk to you, man. I got I to gotta talk to you about this. One guy held out for three years. This one of the guys, he was a young guy. He was 21 years old. And he, uh, I met him in a convenience store. I happened to stop at a convenience store, God's divine appointment. He was there. He came up to me and said, you know, Pastor, I haven't been in church in a while. I've been missing you, brother. I've been missing you. Uh, you okay? He said, well, you know, I got to tell you, I need, I need to apologize to you. I got mad at you because you, you took me out of a ball game, and I didn't think you took me out of a ball game, so I got mad and didn't come to church. I said, well, I'm sorry you got mad. I didn't mean to do that to you. And he said, but I'm in AA now. And he said, I'm an alcoholic, and I'm an AA, and I'm, and I'm learning i got to deal with things like that and get it right so I can be healthy. I said, man, that's awesome. He said, I'm also learning i got to rely on a higher power to really overcome this. I said, man, that's great, brother. And I listened to his story for a minute. I said, can I, can I, can I share with you who the higher power is just for a minute? Because sometimes they don't do that at AA. I'd like to tell you who he is. And he said, okay. And I shared with him about Jesus for about five minutes, just talking about who, what he died on the cross. And he wanted to be a part of his life and really do something great in his life. Here's what he said to me. He said, Tim, I just believe God made people to be lost and people to be saved. And I've just been made to be lost. I said, well, brother, that's not true. Jesus died on the cross for everybody. He didn't determine where you're going to go when you die. You do. I want you to come to church Sunday. He said, all right, I'll come. He came, sit on the back row and listened. Came on the back row next Sunday, sitting on the back row, listened. So I, I said, Jim, why don't you come play basketball? We got a bunch of guys get together and play basketball. A bunch of preachers get together and play basketball twice a week. That's got to be a scary sight for anybody. But I said, we get together and play. And uh, so I want you to come play with us, man. We'll have a good time. Yeah, it gets a little rough because we do want to win. We'll throw elbows and push you and all that kind of stuff. But if you can take it, come on play with us. <laughs> and he said, I'd love to. We played and we'd take a break or sit down and get some water. I, hey, man, how you doing? How you think, what you think about Jesus, man? You thinking about that? Yeah, I'm thinking about that. Okay. Fifth Sunday, he's in the back row. He's now become a regular. And he goes, uh, during the invitation, he came forward and said, I'm ready to give my heart to Christ. I'm going to surrender. Guys, I never put the pressure to him. I, I just kind of shared truth with him as God will have. Holy Spirit does amazing things with truth. Just let me tell you. He does more than we can ever do. If we just kind of plant a seed, he does an amazing watering job. We should be praying for people that we get the opportunity to plant a seed, or somebody does, and the Holy Spirit comes along because God's desires for to be saved, and they come to know Christ. Let me tell you about Jim. Jim got saved, and next thing you know, he's carrying his Bible to work, and he's reading it during lunch. People going, man, what's wrong with you? What's happened to you? Got saved. Uh, a little bit later on, he's no longer going to AA. Man, he is cured. God did a divine work of grace. He said, man, I'm good. And then he became in the ministry. God's still using him today. Awesome guy. It really is God's desire for people to be saved. Maybe there's someone you want to pray for. And because you care, you want us to visit them or pray for them with you. Maybe you need to take this card home and all through the week pray and ask who God will put on your heart and bring it back next week and give it to me. It's not legalism here. We don't care for you. Relax. 
I want you to listen to the voice of the Spirit in your life. Not my voice. His voice. Because that's the one that matters. Have you put somebody in your heart? If there's somebody you want to pray for today, here's what I'd like for you to do. You can come down. We're going to do an invitation. You can come down and, 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 and pray for them and leave the card or give the card to me when you leave. That's, or keep the card. If you want to, but maybe it's just the way you want to say I'm praying for you. But if you want me to be involved, I'm going to need the card. But if you want us to make a visit or minister to them, give me the card. But above all, I want you to pray for them. So if someone's on your heart today, you come and take a moment and pray for them. Or you can pray for them where, you, where you'll be standing. But let's, let's practice what we preach. Maybe you're looking for a church home. Let them come and join with us. But most important of all, if you need a relationship with Christ, I want you to come forward.